0: After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So he, he went uh, north. Uh, you, know, you know, you think when he went to the other side, he didn't mean he just went from west to east. This time he's going more from east to north near, his, uh, near the town of Capernaum. A large crowd followed him, so they followed along the seashore, and they got in boats, we read also in the text, Uh, Because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. So there's a lot of people that are following Jesus, and they're following Jesus because they see the things that he's doing. They see these miracles, and they're amazed at these miracles, and they don't really understand how he is doing them. They're hearing him teach. They're hearing his teaching. They're not necessarily accepting his teaching. They're not following him because they want to do what he's saying. They're following him because they don't have a Netflix subscription. In other words, this is their entertainment. Something exciting has happened that they haven't seen in their lifetime, that Jesus is doing miracles and they don't know how he's doing miracles. They don't know if he's a magician or if he's the Messiah or if he's somebody special. They don't understand how it's happening. They just see it's happening and they're trying to figure it out. So they're following him because it's exciting. And so they're following Jesus. They're But it's not like they're saying, I I want to follow Jesus and be like Jesus. I want to be his disciple. He had his disciples, but it wasn't this huge crowd of people that are following. Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with the disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was near. Therefore, Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing the large crowd, that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, one of his first disciples, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? So he says to Philip, Philip, there's this big crowd here. How are we going to feed them? Where are we going to go and buy bread for them to eat? This he was saying to test him. For he himself knew what he was intending to do. So Jesus knew there was no practical solution. I mean, just to think about it. Uh, where can we get some bread? We know that there were 5,000 men. So there's the crowd It was actually somewhere between five and possibly 20,000 people. They just counted the men, 5,000 men. So how many other people were there? We don't know, but it was a big crowd. And I, let's just say it's 5,000. Okay? So where do you get 5,000 pieces of bread? I mean, in, right now, if you said right now, with our ability to transport And go get it. If I said to you, go get 5,000 loaves of bread, it would be impossible. Right? I mean, it would, by the time you gathered the bread, everybody that you had gathered it for would be either dead or gone. (laughs) I mean, it would would take all day. I mean, because no one's prepared. You you know, uh, Tim's a caterer, Tim Elsie. I don't know if he's, I don't see him. He disappeared. He's, he left. There he is. He poked his head, and he heard me. So Tim's a caterer, and if I said to you, Tim, I want you to cater today at lunch, five thousand people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He would like <laughs> He would say, oh, I don't know if I can do it, but I'll try. I'll try to figure it out. It's impossible, just to get the, get the resources together. Uh, it, it would be impossible. So, so Philip. In will response, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. So a denarii is a day's wage. So basically he's saying, listen, we don't have the money in the account. If we had the money in the account, it's, and we spent all the money that we have, or we got 200 days wages, now think of a day's wage, minimum wage, I think, what's now, seven seventy-five an hour. Something like that, seven seventy-five an hour. If you work forty-hour week, uh, twenty hours of that is about twelve thousand five hundred dollars. So, how many of you are carrying around twelve five with you today? Anybody got it ready to buy feed the five thousand? If you do, we're going to take up an offering. Uh, <laughs> so, don't admit it. Uh, I mean, think about it. So, the the reality of it is, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of food and uh, it, it's not possible. They're, they're thinking, how, how could we, we, we don't have the resources of this, Jesus. <laughs> it's not possible. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. What are these for so many people? Absolutely. I mean, how far is five loaves and two fish going to go with 5,000 people? So some, some kid, some kid's mom had packed him a good lunch and they're going to take it away from him. <laughs> I say, look, uh, I found a kid with a lunch and uh, he's willing to give it up, uh, either voluntarily or not. I don't know. So it's a dilemma. So Jesus says this, well, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the man sat down in number about 5,000, so 5,000 men. Jesus then took the loaves, and giving thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. So now there are some who say that this wasn't a miracle, because they don't like for Jesus to do miracles, they want to diminish who he is, that this isn't a miracle, that all he did was convince everybody else to share, which, I don't know, is a pretty big miracle. Uh, That he convinced that, that, so he convinced everyone to give of their lunch and they shared it all, and with with the common, with everybody sharing that there was enough. That's not what it says. What the text says is that he distributed it, that he took the five loaves and the two fish, is fishes? (laughs) Two fish. And, and he, just, he distributed them. And even think of that, even that process, that had to take some time. Just to physically break the bread and it just, keep, it just keeps coming. The fish never goes away. I, it makes me wonder if he didn't say to the disciples, here, take this and you do what you've seen me do. But they distributed it to everyone. And here's what's cool it's uh, likewise also the fish, as much as they wanted. This isn't all you can eat buffet. With Fred, this has got to be the best bread you've ever had in your life. I mean, it's coming right out of heaven, <laughs> it's coming out of the hands of God it's the best fish and the best bread anybody has ever had and they're saying you know i think i'm going to have a, i think i'm going to go make another lap around the buffet and get, so everybody ate as much as they wanted till they were filled and when they were done jesus said when they were filled he said to the disciples gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost so he says okay If you don't eat leftovers, Jesus said you should. (laughs) Jesus said don't waste it. Here's the the reality. When God gives you something, he expects you to be a steward of it. He he expects you to use it with wisdom. He expects you to take care of it. He, He doesn't expect you to just leave it laying on the ground. I mean, they, they cleaned up. There's some great lessons here. Uh, this, this is incredible. And, and you can, this crowd is amazed at this incredible meal. They weren't expecting it. It was a blessing. Jesus feeds them. They're amazed. Uh, so that when they're filled, they gather it all up. Uh, just as a side note, I've read this on the internet, so it's got to be the truth. Uh, <laughs> Americans waste 38 million tons of food a year. It it amounts to about a pound a day per person. And you're thinking I don't waste that much food, but th- this is taking into account the food that is lost in the process of getting food to you. So some that's lost at the farm, but but the biggest part of it is lost in your refrigerator. And the people who, this is, was another you know, interesting internet truth, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, maybe, uh, is that the people who eat best waste the most. Because if you eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, then, you know, you sometimes you're going to have fruits and vegetables go bad. So I, I, I think God wants us to be better stewards of, of our stuff. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who came into the world. They were looking for a prophet that Moses described in Deuteronomy that was going to be like Moses. Moses gave them manna in the wilderness. So they're looking for a prophet that's going to feed them with manna like Moses did. And so they they see this picture of Jesus giving them bread and they're saying, oh, this is what he's going to do. He's going to feed us bread. Every day we're going to be able to go out and get bread from Jesus. Like God provided manna for the children of God in the wilderness. And so this is true to the prophet who has come to the world. So Jesus perceiving they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. So Jesus, when he perceived that they wanted to make him king because they wanted him to provide them with bread and fish, then he withdrew himself because he knew their intentions were not right. In other words, they wanted to make him king, not king over them, but they wanted a king that they could tell what to do. There's a difference. You you understand that, right? There's a king who is over you that you obey, And a king that you shape into your own image to do your bidding. Which do you think Jesus is? And so they're wanting to come by force and make him king. In John chapter 2 earlier, it says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, observing his signs which he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them for he knew all men and because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man for he himself knew what was in man what is in man a wicked sinful heart and he knew it that's why he came he didn't come just to give us bread he came to be bread he came to change our hearts he knew there was something wrong with our hearts. He knew that we were more wicked than we could imagine, but more loved than we could have hoped. He knew that he couldn't entrust him. He knew that they wanted to make him king for their own purposes. So, a lot of people have an enthusiasm for Jesus. I just I heard uh, Glenn Stefani. No, 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 not Gwen. It's not. What's even her? who wore the meat suit? Wait a minute. Wait Lady for it. Gaga. Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga at a concert. <laughs> that's, I, that's what we're, I was thinking. All those wasted steaks. Uh, 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 <laughs> I don't know why I remember that, but I did. Okay. Uh, she was at a concert talking about that she is a Christian woman, and she was talking about other Christians who were you know, didn't feel like she felt like they were doing right. So sometimes I think it's possible for us. I'm not saying she's not a Christian woman because I don't know her, but I'm think it's what happens in our culture is that we have created Jesus is that are not the real biblical Jesus. We've created a Jesus that is a king made in our image instead of a king that we obey. It's, you know, a lot of people have the Jesus loves everybody Jesus. And Jesus does love everybody. But he's not the Jesus who gives everything we need but doesn't ask anything from us. He does tell us, if you're going to follow me, you're going to take up your cross, you're going to die daily. The Jesus that just loves everybody, but there's no letting him reign in our lives. That's not the biblical Jesus. The Jesus that's going to seek first the kingdom of God, not cultural approval. The moral Jesus—you know—we all believe in Jesus until he's telling us what to do. You know, the moral Jesus who teaches well, but he has no authority in our lives to ask for obedience. Or how about the Democrat Jesus? Don't worry, I'm going to offend all of you before it's over. <laughs> the Demo- I am I'm, I'm so troubled. Right now, I am so troubled by this abortion law in New York and Virginia that is virtually allowing abortion after birth. It's sick. There's no, there's, there's no other way to describe it. It's sick. We, we can't wink at that. It's disgusting. It's despicable. So, I can't we can't wink at abortion or the Republican Jesus who winks at greed. Didn't get as many amen's on that one. <laughs> the libertarian Jesus who winks at everything. How about that? <laughs> How about the sports Jesus? You know the sports Jesus is going to help your team win. What what if the other team is praying to win too? Which one of you gets to be the uncircumcised Philistine? <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, I'm not saying you shouldn't pray before a game, but but again, it's we kind of create this gen, this generic Jesus who's who's just here to bless us and help us. He's not king. How about, the, here's the crazy one to me, the white supremacist Jesus who hates Jews. What? You do understand that Jesus was a Jew, right? You understand that? That if you love Jesus, you love a Jew, That's just a crazy thing to me. It's, It's so incongruent. It doesn't make any sense that you can be, that you can be a racist and think Jesus is okay with that. Any kind of that you can be any kind of racist and say that Jesus doesn't, Jesus says, no, you can't do that. So we can't just make him what we want him to be. We can't shape Jesus into our perception of what we want him to be. We have to say he didn't come to appease us. He came to rule over us. He, came, he didn't come to make you better. He didn't come to make you a better version of yourself. He came to kill you <laughs> and resurrect a new you. He came to make a new creation in Christ Jesus. He's not just he's not in the people improvement business. He's in the sin-killing business. So to let him rule in our lives, we we can't make Jesus into our image because he wants to make us into his. The Jesus that you make king of your making will go to the mountains. Because he cannot be the king of our making. Jesus said, Matthew 20, 28, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Actually, we can't make him king. He is the king. We can only accept his kingship and his rule in our lives. Philippians 2, 9 says it this way. For this reason God highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven, on earth and under the earth, so that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If Jesus is king, then we are not. John 6, and so when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now, they saw the disciples get in the boat and go to the other side, but they didn't see Jesus because he went to the mountain. But in the night, we'll talk about this next week, Jesus walked on the water to the boat. So they didn't see that. So they're saying, okay, Jesus, how did you get here? Jesus answered them and said, truly truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Zinger, you're you're not here because you want, you want me to be king over you, you're here because you want breakfast. It was a great supper and you started thinking, you know what you start thinking after you eat supper? What are we gonna have for breakfast? <laughs> so the, they had noticed, they didn't want Jesus to be their king. They wanted Jesus to be their caterer. So Jesus said, Don't work for the food which perishes, don't invest your life in temporary pursuits, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of God will give you. For on him the Father, God, has set his seal. He says, you seek me because you want your belly filled again. Don't work for the food that perishes. You don't work to get rich. We work for the glory of God. We're not working for the temporary blessings of finances. We're working for the eternal glory of God. We don't work for a paycheck. We work as unto the Lord. So even if you're getting paid a lousy pay, you don't do lousy work because you're getting lousy pay. Because your true pay is not coming from who employs you your true pay is coming from your source you've declared that your source is god so you work not unto the paycheck you work unto the one who's behind it you work to the blessing behind it you work for the king whose you are you work to the glory of god don't work for the praise of men we all like the praise of men One thing you can learn about the life of Jesus is that the praise of men is fickle. They want to make you king one day and crucify you the next. If you work for the praise of men, you will find that men will disappoint you. Don't work for the praise of men, work for the praise of God. Don't work for the fleeting, work for the eternal. So how do you work for the food that is eternal? So he says, work for the food that is eternal. So how do you do that? Therefore they said to him, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? This is interesting. These are are Jews that are asking Jesus this. And so they say, what shall we do to do the works of God? And if only God had given them a list, just maybe like 10 recommendations or had written some laws so they would know what to do. Right? Had he, did he not say, This is what you should do? But they didn't keep it. it that was so here's what's funny: that the, the Ten Commandments and the law was so far from them, it never even entered their mind that this is something they could do to please God. It was so far away from them. I mean. They had it plastered on all their courthouses. They just weren't doing it. Just threw that out there for fun. (laughs) Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. You don't do the work of God by working to please God. You don't do the work of God even by keeping the law of God. You don't do the work of God by keeping the Ten Commandments. You do the work of God by believing that God sent Jesus to complete the work that you couldn't do. To believe that Jesus' work on the cross and his overcoming death, hell, and the grave and ascending to the Father... That that work is the work that it saves me. Not the work that I'm doing, but the work that he's doing. Jesus said the work of God is to believe in whom he sent. The work is to believe that Jesus is the son of God and only he can save me. We, you know, we talk about the fight of faith. The fight of faith is not with people who don't believe. We're... People who don't know Jesus are not our enemies. The fight of faith is not a fight against people. We don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Our fight is not with people who don't agree with us. Our fight is with to believe the right thing about Jesus. Our problem is we think because somebody else doesn't agree with us that it changes what we believe and it shouldn't change what we believe because the world doesn't agree with us and here's the clue, it ain't never going to agree with us. And it's not going to get better. So we have to understand, we have to know what is the basis of our faith, the basis of our faith and our belief is what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers, and here, what are they saying? Listen to this. Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it's written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. He's like, man, that was some good bread and catfish. Sure would love another dose of that, Jesus. They don't even get, they're just like. They're so worried about filling their bellies. They're so worried about what they want Jesus to be. They don't see who he is. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you bread out of heaven, but it's the father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. Moses didn't give you bread. God gave you bread. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Again. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread. I'm the bread. That was a taste. That was a picture. That was really good bread. It just satisfied your hunger temporarily because you're hungry again already. You're already asking me for more bread. I am the true bread that will truly satisfy your eternal longings. Only I can do that. I'm the true bread. I'm the bread of life. And he who comes to me will not hunger. And he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you've seen me. And yet you do not believe. Jesus didn't come to meet our temporal needs. He does do that, but that's not the primary reason he came. Jesus came to be the bread of life and to give us life. And then he said, now this is very interesting. We're going to read this and we're going to take communion together. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. So it's about what it's about. It's about believing in Jesus Believing that Jesus is the bread. I'm the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I'm the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. What's the bread? It's Jesus' flesh is the bread of life. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So the Jews, so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of God and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. And you know what everybody said when he said that? Huh, what? What? We are Jews, and we may not be keeping the Ten Commandments, but we know we can't eat anything with blood in it, We know the dietary laws. We're keeping the easy stuff, except we're eating bacon on the side. Uh, (laughs) Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of God and drink his blood, you have no life in yourself. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. So who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So he who eats me, he will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died. He he who eats of this bread will live forevermore. This bread is eternal bread. You partake of the bread of the Son of God by believing What he has accomplished, he has accomplished for you. So as we take communion together in just a few moments, it is to remember that Jesus died for us. And in believing in him, we receive the bread of eternal life. We take of the bread of eternal life together.